Where we talk about our lives, the creative industry. We usually have a topic every week. This one is going to be nostalgia. So we're going to talk about our childhoods and our youths. We have some special guests. So let me introduce them. First on the docket is Julian Lamb. Hello, I am Julian. Excellent. <laughs> and second, we have Jackson Seib. Hello, I am Jackson. <laughs> I don't know, Julian started it. I just wanted to follow up. I don't know if this was like a thing. Now it has gone completely off the rails. We've only recorded for not even a minute. Excellent. Yes, we have two guests that actually know each other. How do you folks know each other? College. So fun. What a time. We learned about ourselves, our mm. ancient history of art mm. and theater, thespianism Ooh, and thespianism. dance and acting, acting, acting. Our voice, the movement, the text, movement, text. Drama. Uh, we're just we're just painting a, a quick visual image for you what theater school's like. Randolph College for the Performing Arts in Toronto, class of 2018. Yeah, so it would be 2018, you're correct. Rapa, Randolph, I'm pulling up the... Yeah, Randolph 2018. I can't even look at my diploma. I don't think I lost it already. Oh, wow. wow. I mean, what? what? Glowing alumni examples. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I represent everything that the school wishes to accomplish. I don't know where my diploma is. <laughs> I am thriving and my skin's popping, so you know what? Mm. Oh, I don't know if I'd use popping <laughs> to describe skin. Gloss, maybe. Skin, never. Yeah, you're right. Mm. <laughs> you should get so- that checked out. Maybe. Honestly, Ryan and I don't even need to talk. It's essentially a comedy show between you two now. Theater people are so fun. Universally obnoxious and constantly seeking attention. As such, you've given us a platform to be both, and that's your fault. (laughs) That's true. So I'm sure you'll have some great insight into the topic for today, nostalgia. It's just a funny word, isn't it? It just sounds funny. I wanted to jump in with my knowledge of the word nostalgia. That's fine. We're about to find out what we have in common here. Toys as a child. Does anyone remember A, the show Digimon, and B, the little device? They sold the Digivice. I had one of these as a child. That's going to be a no for me. Oh, so I I knew of Digimon and I would see it on the television. But anytime I'd hear the music or see the images, this fear from God would smite itself into my brain and I would have to immediately turn it off. My parents had instilled in me things like Digimon and Pokemon depicted animal abuse. and I was always like, I can't watch it. This is terrible. God would hate it. So I would never watch it. That makes sense. Okay, so I have some other animal related. I feel like this is an animal, but does anyone remember Tamagotchis? Oh, yes. I love them. Love them as yeah, a child. Tamagotchis. So if I may hop on this, I came late to the Tamagotchi train. Third generation, I remember specifically, it was the one with the antenna that had a little bulb on the end. I had finally begged my parents to allow me to have this tiny beeping electronic device that they had for whatever reason avoided me having up till now. I can understand now why in in hindsight. And I finally got it and it was this green plastic see-through little thing and I loved it with all my life. And my parents, about four or five days after we got it, said, let's go take some family pictures. So we go down to Niagara Falls where I famously live. And I'm sitting on the little fence. I've hopped up onto the fence wearing this cool Canada bomber jacket I had because I was nine years old and that was what was cool. We come down after the pictures are taken. I root my pockets and I can't find my Tamagotchi anywhere. And I turn around and I see this tiny green plastic bobble bouncing down the hill towards the foe before it <laughs> lands in the water, drifts along. And I watch my beloved little man. I've named him Halo and he's fallen off of the cliff into the precipice followed by hundreds of thousands of gallons of water, never to be seen again. Oh, no. no. And that is my Tamagotchi story. Thank you for having me on the show. I will now go work out my trauma (laughs) elsewhere. I kind of have a similar story to that. I never had a Tamagotchi, though. I had Pixel Chicks. Do you remember? It's like the girl in the house. It it was called Pixel Chicks. It was basically like a ripoff of Tamagotchis, except instead of an animal, you get a fully bipedal human being, happily named Rebecca. And she was just this teenage girl in a house and you can like do her nails and make her go rollerblading in the house i don't know what they were trying to promote but it was fun as hell (laughs) until i dropped it into the bathtub because i thought it would be fun to to play with uh oh god i have to word this correctly to bring my pixel chick into the bathtub to hang out with me (laughs) 
<laughs> don't know how to word this. A lot of this that sounds problematic. <laughs> yes, uh, but she fell and she drowned. The, the whole oh. house drowned because it was a house. The Tamagotchi was inside like a TV thing, like, like it was a little circle. The Pixel Chick was inside of a house. You got to get like different design houses. So the full house was submerged in a tsunami and now oh Rebecca is in the Aether as we may call it. That's horrendous. I hope she and Halo are good friends now in the watery grave. Can we just pick apart for a split second here? Tamagotchis come out, they come out of Japan, and then they come here and they're an enormous hit in America as a lot of things like Pokemon and Digimon are. What American company saw this and was like, you know what would make this better? Human beings that you carry in your pockets and must care for. (laughs) I'm still stuck on the fact that my third life apparently ended in a bathtub. <laughs> I was clearly a pixel chick at one point. Googled Shit. pixel chicks, spelt with an X, by the way. And it, of course. It literally, it's literally a plastic house with a series of buttons on it, onto yes. which a, a see-through woman is projected wandering around. <laughs> The house consists solely of a kitchen and a wardrobe, which is <laughs> very problematic. How did you convince your parents to buy this abomination of a so, creature? It's so funny because actually, yeah, as a child, I was super into like dolls and stuff like, oh my God, like this is foreshadowing of how homosexual I am. I was obsessed <laughs> with Barbies. So my sister and I in Christmas time, she would get all the cool stuff and I'd be upset because I'd always get like Hot Wheels and like trucks and Ugh. the boy stuff, the boy stuff. And I just Gross. did not like the boy stuff. And so I was like, you know what, Jessica, we're going to switch. So I remember this one Christmas, Jessica's my sister. One Christmas, we decided to switch our toys. So I gave her my Hot Wheels because she was obsessed with cars for some reason and houses. I was obsessed with making families and having drama, soap operas. But in my head, as a child, I would switch toys with her. So she actually, I think, got my Hot Wheel and I got her Pixel Chick. Then I got obsessed. And so I bought a bunch of Pixel Chicks because you can like connect the houses. Each side of the house, there was like this little knob that you can connect the Pixel Chicks to each other and they can come over and have slumber parties. This is super horrible thinking back now. I'm like, wow, as a child, I'm like, all girls do or have slumber parties and cook. <laughs> this is a horrible, horrible way for a young boy to be thinking of women in general. It's kind of nostalgic to think about because I'm like, thank God we as a society have progressed and are now painting girls in a better light that aren't just yeah. wardrobes and kitchens. That, you notice, has been the major change between perhaps when we grew up to now is there isn't as much of a distinction between gender toys which i'm glad makes things a lot easier explore different things that they might not normally have had before i was thinking of a couple things while you guys were talking about that i was thinking of poly pocket what is that again i think they were little dolls choking hazard that's what it was was. (laughs) i distinctly remember my mom saying that i wasn't allowed one because i could choke on it According to Google, it was also a 2018 fantasy television show. It has a 6.5 on IMDb, but 88% of users liked this TV show on Google, so. A 6.5? Yeah, that yeah. is so funny. Oh my gosh. Googling Polly Pocket does in no way reveal the toy for some reason. It's just the show. Hold on. Polly Pocket toy. The name is so familiar. Oh, right. It's yet another woman living in a clamshell with only a kitchen and a wardrobe. <laughs> but this one is not digital this one's all analog baby that's how you know it's good (laughs) you can buy a polyville mega mall on toys r us for 59.99 ship to home free and store pickup you said mall and i thought of that one game marketed to girls mall madness do you remember they had all the iterations yes it was like the fourth thing i was obsessed with holy god i'm so gay how did i not know i was gay when i was young it was this game where there were like four characters and i think i had the hannah montana version so you had like hannah mon the miley cyrus you had her friend lily i don't know why they had her her brother jackson and then i don't know if it was rico from rico snack shack whatever he was called but it was like rico or something the four of them would traverse the mall and shop and that was the game marketed to girls let's unpack the fact that like it's marketed to young girls that they're just supposed to shop it was a board game that it also had i think a mechanic of some time i'm pulling it up on board game geek it's got a 5.6 when it released in 1989 it was designed by a man mr michael gray published by hasbro i seem to remember something along the lines of there was like a, a phone in the middle or something where you could like get calls from cute boys and that would set you back around or something dumb it's really problematic wow Wow, this was like marketed to us as children i played with barbies can i read the back of the box to you yes 
Attention, mall shoppers. The voice <laughs> of the mall has big news. Come inside and hear all about the giant sales and special bargains. Then join your friends on a wild shopping spree as you rush from shore to shore. Store to store. It's, a, <laughs> it's the last wild game of capitalism. It's a game where you have to buy the most things the fastest, specifically marketed towards young women ages 9 to 12. That just sounds like an anxiety attack waiting to happen. One, I'm very competitive. Two, if given the chance to shop till I drop, I will. Combining those two things in a board game is asking for the board game to be flipped. Just point blank any of you ever flipped a table like yes. just a board game everywhere monopoly yes. or whatever yes really? genuinely? Absolutely. genuinely are you a cartoon character this is why i don't like monopoly and oddly enough my partner jeff and i were playing monopoly like three days ago and i got very upset i did not flip the board but i just started pouting <laughs> <laughs> So he's like, do you want to stop playing? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but the reason why I don't like Monopoly <laughs> and why I started pouting was that I would say about five years ago, my best friend Frank and I were playing Monopoly and he did this terrible thing where he got all the money and then got... <laughs> okay, a terrible sh- thing where he won the game. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. He got the first two properties off of Go and the last two properties before Go. The little house hotel things. It essentially took all my funds within, I would say, about 20 minutes of the game. I had no chance. And he was just like, that's how you play the game. And I was like, you are the worst player. And he's like, no, you're just a really sore loser. And I flipped the board. <laughs> Jesus. It does sound a bit to me like Frank did you a service because 20 <laughs> minutes is already too long to be playing Monopoly. A hundred percent. I also have blatantly left a game of Monopoly. So some of my theater friends will remember Great. this where it was really intense. I think it was the full set. How many people are allowed to play Monopoly? Six? I think okay. it was that many. The properties were going quick. Again, mm-hmm. she was broke. Everyone was arguing and they're like, this is where it goes. And, blah, blah, blah. and I just put down my money and walked away and they assumed I was going to the bathroom. But I got into my car, drove 15 minutes back <laughs> to my house. <laughs> The next day at rehearsal, they're like, where did you go last night? And I was like, I went home. And they're like, but why? And I was like, because I was mad. I think this episode needs to be a Rebecca. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, Dutch God. Bliss is great. It's it's genuinely heartwarming how wonderful it is to throw these tiny Dutch children around. And then <laughs> I, I've won the game. What? You throw ah! children in my game? No, you do not throw children in the game. There are children on the cards and you can throw the cards and then it feels a bit like you've thrown Dutch children and that's a win in my book. What? <laughs> Problematic. Every game is problematic at its core. It's a game that gets me very heated. There's usually a lot of screaming when I play. Sometimes from me, usually the other people around me. Yes. Uh, Dutch Blitz is basically a more chill Crazy Eights. No, a more anxiety-ridden Crazy Eights. I have it totally backwards. Sorry, it's more chill because I'm throwing Dutch children around as as, uh, previously mentioned. Where you're just like stacking cards on top of each other and trying to like complete a set. And it involves a lot of yelling because if someone puts down a card first, you can't. And then you want to punch them. But all you can do is throw more children. Throwing children bit better not make it into the show. <laughs> we cut, the, we cut all that. <laughs> it has taken a large portion of, <laughs> speaking, of the last few minutes. Speaking of throwing children and Dutch Blitz was a skipping game, was it not? Where you jumped with children? Double, D- Dutch? Double Dutch? Double Dutch, correct. Sorry, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> throwing children into a skipping rope. People are like, Julian, oh, you're good at skipping. Why don't you jump in to the Dungle Clutch? My best friend is a child, and she shoved me into the Double Dutch skipping skips and basically forced me to get smacked with these <laughs> skipping skips, and it was horrible. Growing up, I, I really enjoyed skipping rope. And I, I like to think, as a small child would, seeing as I had no knees, that I was actually quite good at it. But I never learned how to double dutch. I would see these monolithic ropes just like spinning in tandem and my brain would fry and I just never learned how. And I would like to. It's harder than it looks. 
It already looks hard, so <laughs> <laughs> like that concerns me greatly. Jack, you might not remember this because mm. you were not allowed television for a certain amount of time in your life. Perhaps any of my Disney Channel family channel friends will remember the skipping show with Corbin Blue in it. Anyone? Jump um, in. Yeah. What? Yes. Hold, no, no, you guys can't just hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> you can't pull the wool over my eyes. There is no way national treasure Corbin Blue had a skipping <laughs> show. He did it! Kiki Palmer. Yeah! Right. And it had the iconic song, Push It to the Limit, which There's no way. everyone needs to listen to. If it wasn't a copyright infringement, I would play it right now. Push it, push it to the limit, limit. But I'll try to sing it. It starts with him talking in the Corbin Blue High School Musical fashion. And then he goes, push it, push it to the limit, limit. Push it, push it to the limit, limit. Cause we're in it to win it, we're in it to win it. Oh yeah, it's a bop. I did a lot of hand movements for that. Let's play Rotten Tomatoes Prices Right. Nobody look it up. What do you think it has rating wise on Rotten Tomatoes? Closest without going over. Eight. Wow. <laughs> it is a national treasure. And no one can convince. What is that meme with the man sitting at the table? Convince me. Oh. Convince me. Otherwise, it's not an eight. I'm going to go with a crisp 34. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with 44. Wait, Ooh. is this out of 100? It is out of 100. It's a percentage. Oh my god, I thought it was out of 10. That's why I said 8. Sorry, 80. 80. Okay, so Julian's 80. Rebecca, you're 34? Yes, I am. And Ryan was 44. Ryan takes it, comes to a 63 on Wow. Ryan. Yeah. I wonder what other films are famously rated 63. I now have egg all over my face, given that Jump In is indeed a thing. We watched recently the film masterpiece Cheetah Girls 2. Yes. yes and yes. which, uh, from my understanding, is indeed better than the first Cheetah Girls. Because... Absolutely. Okay, great. <laughs> um, can, you, can you speak to this at all? People, people who love Cheetah Girls have really strong feelings about Cheetah Girls 1 and 2 and then hate 3 or like, disregard it because Raven had left by then. Raven Simone is a beautiful human, and I know that therefore disregards the other three Cheetah Girls, which is not what I want to do. If you have watched all of them, you understand that Raven is the glue that held that group together. Controversial topic, I'm sure. I feel like it's not contested. Second. <laughs> Controversial and not contested. So I do love Adrian. I yes, do. we do. We do love it. Number two is Barcelona. And do I need to say more? Really? Yes. <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I don't. There's, there's there is love. An, an, no, there's an undeniably strange like subplot whereby one of the characters' moms wants to get proposed to. But he's like, I don't know if I'm ready yet. <laughs> but you have to be. This is my mom. And he's like, I guess you're right. I can't remember which character it was. It, there's a lot of subplots in that show. Movie. All I remember is the stairs, and they were singing, and it was phenomenal. And Stare. then the oh, last... Oh, the like, last number? It's pretty bopping. Though the kid... Yeah. There's the one kid with the guitar who, like, yes. doesn't say anything. He just, like, sings everything, and he's beautiful. But, like, he's not playing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> There are, there are shots of, like, there's no guitar in the music at all. He's just, like, going ham in the background, <laughs> rocking some sweet acoustic solo. And I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? Slow down. Bless him, though. It's a it's truly, like, I had more fun than I thought I would as a 24-year-old man watching Cheetah Girls 2. Sorry, which, what was I that mean, number? 20 Fjord? Fjord? Yeah, Fjord. you know. 20 Fjord. <laughs> there's a bit there somewhere. I don't know what it is. Wow, though. I love that. That is great. They were TV movies, weren't they? Is that is that right? Yes. They were books, apparently. Okay. What? Adapted they were books? To, yeah, they were famously books first, which doesn't make sense to me, considering it's all about, like, pop artists. I remember as a child, I would go to the library and I'd see all the Cheetah Girls books, and I thought they were, like, adaptations in the movies. But no, they were indeed books first, written by Deborah, Deborah Gregory. Cheetah Girls Book 1, Wishing on a Star. Book 2 is called Shop in the Name of Love. I will say my favorite is Book 5, Woof. There it is. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> the you said woof, and speaking of nostalgia, it reminds me of that the song the the who let the dogs in song. Does that not trigger anyone? Who let the dogs out? Oh yes. Who Don't let the dogs, let the dogs in. in. <laughs> you want them in. That's it's the problem out. of the song. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I have not heard that song in a hot minute. I feel like you, as a closeted homosexual man, the child, were like, no, the dogs must stay in. They Don't let out. the dogs out. They must be safe uh, and loved with my pixel chicks. Long live yes, the pixel but, chick. Yeah, they were the biggest one hit wonders. That song played on every compilation CD from oh the early 2000s. Who, who sang slide, that anyone? song? Oh, man. Who sang right. it? Yes. The Baja Men. How many times, you know when he goes, everybody clap your hands in the cha-cha slide, how many times do they clap their hands? Too dang One, two, many. Three, four, five, We counted it recently. Six, it was quite seven, baffling. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Counting really 12, slowly. 13, 14. I think it's 16. It is 34. He claps his hands for like God, way too long. He claps their hands 34 times over four bars. Too many. That's insane. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else, like, you know how there was, like, massive contention in the world when he went Charlie Brown? And, like, everyone was like, I don't know what that means. So people would do that thing where they, like, would grab their ankles and then would or grab one ankle and then grab behind their head <laughs> and then, like, go to repeatedly <laughs> smash their forehead into their knee, but then wouldn't quite. I don't know what that has to do with Charlie Brown, but that's what we did down in Niagara Falls. Is it because of their feet moving in the TV show so fast? What? You know, aren't coming around their like feet are like moving around. Julian, when you hear the cha-cha slide, and he says Charlie Brown or whatever, what do you do? You know, you make like your feet go like. You just you just waggle your feet violently around. Yeah, it's better than grabbing your ankles. What? No, you grab one ankle. You grab your left ankle with your left foot. What? No. <laughs> you grab your left ankle with your left hand, and then you put your right hand behind your head, and then you, like, Martha Graham, contract your knee up to your forehead oh. a bunch of times. No, I thought it was literally, like, you just shuffle your feet around. Okay, Ryan, if you heard the cha-cha slide right now, and he told you to Charlie yeah. Brown, what would you do? I would just do a funny dance. You would just do a funny dance? Yeah. Rebecca, please give me something <laughs> Okay, so I'm looking it up, and apparently, here are the steps. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Charlie Brown dance step one. Hop on your right foot. Hop on your right foot, raising your left foot off the ground at the same time. Thrust! Thrust both arms forward, keeping the elbow straight and arms parallel. Step with both feet. (laughs) Step with your left foot. What? So it's like ponies, but with your arms outstretched? So it's like, how do I describe it? I kind of picture it. It's like when you're doing the shopping cart with like your hands. It's like if you're doing a chin up with your hands, but they are on a plane that is horizontal as opposed to vertical. (laughs) No, that's just putting your arms in front of you. No, you're doing the chin-up motion, but on the horizontal plane. Okay, And then right. your feet are going... <laughs> this is an so, audio medium, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's basically, it's basically <laughs> doing like a shuffle step. If anyone dances, yeah. like a shuffle. You know, like you have your arms out in front and you pull them in. Oh, oh. It's like a pull-up. Exactly what Rebecca says, a horizontal pull-up. You, you shuffle your feet. Yeah. So you know how in, in LMFAO's music video, Party Rock Anthem, Iconic, they do like the, the, yeah. the, the SpongeBob SquarePants where they shuffle around. It's kind of like, but forwards. It's forwards and you don't move, you know? Okay. It sounds to me like there were many things that we as children did so egregiously wrong that parents and or other adults would look at us and just feel so much shame. I wish my parents put me in like a dance class and I would have learned like all of this and knew how to dance instead of trying to force me to play sports. I would trade that life for and I was like, mom, put me in hockey so I stop getting bullied. And then she was like, no, honey, your sister is in dance. So you're going to do dance too, because hockey is too violent. I'm like, mom, we live in the 2000s, Canada, a suburbia. I need to be in hockey because hockey is where I meet all my friends. 
And then, no, she was like, you're in dance class. And I hated it so much. And yet here I am, a college degree certified dancer. So maybe <laughs> it was a good idea, I guess. Maybe you did know. take the right uh, path in your life. It, it's nice to have a balance, I think. I would have liked to have had a mix of athletics and using all parts of my brain developing those skills because now I want to like learn how to do all this stuff now I was thinking of taking dance lessons with a friend isn't it much harder to learn things as an adult like learn a language or do anything I don't know I I got into theater much later than a lot of other people I was actually going to be an English major first so I came to theater school with no knowledge and or ability of how to dance and I came away with little knowledge or ability to dance but more than I started with there's nothing like holding you back other than the fear of showing up and making a fool of yourself but no one's actually going to judge you for that so i have a question for everyone and that is did you dress a certain way in your youth i mean both my parents were fresh to canada so they're they're both immigrants so they were strongly believing in the idea of making our own clothes and i don't know i don't think it's just an immigrant thing i think there's like some people who who believe that making their own clothes is obviously more sustainable and it's a, it's a truly a good lifestyle but as a kid it was the perfect recipe for bullying i would wear a lot of the clothes that my grandma would sew for me bless bless my bubby um she's wonderful she would sew my clothes for me and i would wear hand-me-downs from my older sister and then wear my own clothes and I don't know if you have older siblings, but as a middle child, you always got handed down clothing that you didn't want, especially if it was a different gender, but you would still wear it anyways because you didn't have a choice, right? Does anyone else yeah. have hand-me-down clothing? I'm the oldest, so I got everything new. I don't think I ever had a particular style as a child, but I, I remember certainly having clothes that were a little bit worse for wear here and there. And in particular, I had one pair of pants that looked identical to another pair of pants, but this pair of pants had what felt like my butt would be fully exposed to the world if I were to wear them, but I'm sure it was like literally a tiny little hole in them. And there would be days where I would go to school and I would sit down and I would feel the, the seat, uh, the tiny little bit of the seat pressing up against my bottom and I would panic. And then from the rest of the day, I would have to like find ways to awkwardly shimmy backwards places or like pull my shirt down a little too low. So they all stretched out a bit too long. I remember in particular, I was in third grade. We were doing not the beep test, but something similar where you're like running from one side of the room to the other. And I, I knew that if I were to run, I would expose myself to all of my classmates and ruin my life. So I ran in the most awkward, like, pull my shirt down over my butt and, like, wiggle my way across the room. The only reason I remember this is the sheer, the, the, the look of just utter confusion and disbelief on my third grade teacher haunts me to this day. This man just looks at me, a tiny bull-cut blonde child, wiggling my way un, unsurreptitiously across the room, clutching at my own butt. I'm pretty sure he thought... I had worms or something. I don't know. Well, that's that's fair. I feel like school is a very difficult experience for young people. I feel like they should make that a little easier. I just want my high school to be a nice place. Amen. You know, maybe it makes you tough and grow up. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just a little traumatizing sometimes. I am hmm. neither tough nor grown, so... This this does verify your your opinions, yeah. And you're you're the clearly the most stable of all of us. So, <laughs> how would you change school now, looking back at it? I would um, just be strict on bullies. Sorry, I don't know if Julian, you have the same thought. I this is oh, this is a complex. Actually, fun fact: I really wanted to get into administration for like education and like and like because I was like determined to change the education system because I saw so many flaws in it and there was just so much that I wanted to change about it because I'm like this is a system created in like what the 18th century to help take care of children when their families were out at the factories working and then groom these children to be the perfect workers for these factories so that's why the lunchtime is like there was bells to signal lunchtime instead of people training people to just check their watches and keep track of time on their own they had to be monitored by other people and and now i associate bells with control and this idea of control oh there's just so many systems that we're not doing well in our education system and in many ways are failing a lot of students that don't have opportunities to thrive of course 
there are opportunities and some people are very excellent at thriving in this kind of system. Like my sister, my sister's genius, smart woman. Holy cow, like incredible. She fits the mold of what the system needs, which is someone who fits into the box, who completes all their things on time, who is thinking within the bounds of what their teacher expects from them. And for me, I was completely the opposite. Whenever I handed an essay, I would get the same remarks on everything. You were too creative. You were too this. You were too that. Stop thinking outside the box. Start start specifically thinking what we want you to do. And as someone who likes to think outside the box, as someone who, who really wants to push my creativity and like how I think and change my perspectives, it's insane that we limit and shame children almost sometimes for thinking outside the box and for being creative when we should be promoting maybe that this child is going to be in the creative industry and we should push them towards that outlet instead of forcing them to become a mathematician if they hate it for so several years of their life. It's it's mind-boggling. I don't know about anyone. I mean, Rebecca was homeschooled. I used to be homeschooled. Wait, what? I can't speak onto her experience, but but the institutionalized education system is, oh God, I have so many opinions on it. And I feel like there's so much we should be doing. Anything and like anything in politics in the world, it's like we really have to have all these conversations for years and years before anything gets done for some reason. There's so many lives impacted by it. And it's, oh, it's insane and frustrating all over time consuming, right? Yeah, I agree with you. I think sometimes academics are valued over the arts in a lot of circumstances. I just wish, honestly, bullying and all that in schools and kids giving each other a hard time. For a lot of people in their youth, they remember at some point being bullied. And we don't tolerate that in the workforce. So why is it okay for children to behave like that? And the schools not hold them accountable and their parents not parent them properly. Sorry, I'm calling you out. I think that I, what I like to do is, as I said, I'm a very outside the box thinker. I think to the extent of why I loved, I mean, this is a, an acting thing, right? With directors, and maybe this is my directorial mind constantly being like, why? Why, 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 why? And I'm like, why is systemic bullying so prevalent in elementary school systems throughout Ontario and throughout the world that we make movies that our arts and literature is about the popular kids bullying them? And it's because of the systemic this thing. It's like, it's these children feeling like they're never going to amount to anything. So then when they see other children succeed or be different and not follow this specific system that we've created, we bully them. If a kid is too feminine, they're gay. And then when they're attacked for being, for calling this kid gay, I remember the the most thing that affected me was every time I brought it up to the teachers, I'd be like, hey, this kid is calling me gay. Can you ask, get them to stop? They'd be like, oh, I was just saying he was happy. Oh, gay as in happy. And the teachers would just let it go. And it was incredulous, the amount of people that would just think that that kind of behavior is okay. But it's also because it's just when you get angry and when you are so frustrated with your own anxieties and feeling like you're not good enough, you, 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 you attack, you spread that negative energy. And at one point or another, you're, you're going to burst. And if anything, like that should give no one right to absolutely bully or be a horrible, horrible, horrible person. But it's always like, why are they doing this? How can we change their attitudes from negative to positive? And that's truly like through the parents and truly through the the systems that we have in place that held people back and have resulted in them feeling like they're not going to amount to anything. And so they feel like they have to just be an absolute poop head. And (laughs) yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, on top of that, like these children often, you know, studies have shown that people that are bullies at school often don't receive any love or attention or much love or attention at home or their parents are X, Y, Z. And then as a result, like they go to school and they act out and seeking attention, etc. But then on top of this, the, the teachers are overworked and underpaid and the class sizes are so enormous that they can't possibly give attention to everybody that they can. And the bully then has this positive reinforcement of like, if I act out, I get attention and then I can get away with it because this teacher's like, I literally can't do anything because I can't talk to these parents because they're also terrible people and nothing is accomplished and I don't know what to do and I need to feed my kids when I get home. And the, the school system as a whole is incredibly antiquated and is crumbling beneath its now 2020 uh, weight as it tries to build itself a scaffold higher and higher and it realizes it's running out of planks because all the money needs to go to the police. 
Wow, that brings in all perspectives, and that was clear discussion. It kind of brings me to my next question, which is, did you have a moment that shaped you in your youth, let's say, like this moment where you were like, it defined you in some way? The first time I got to travel abroad, I think I was like 20, 21, and I went to Scotland, and I loved it. And that was like my first time on a plane by myself. And I was like, wow, I'm all grown up now. I totally see where you're coming from, especially if you grew up. I don't know if you grew up in like rural Ontario or, or a small Ontarian town. Being from Cambridge, Ontario, it's not small, but it's a moderately sized town, suburbs. I was there for 18 years. I was like, I have to get out of here. I have to go see the world. I feel like my perspective, and it's true, my perspective was so one-sided, was so so just Cambridge. It was just so that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also like this idea that coming of age is 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 gaining perspective and really finding oneself. And so for me, I knew I was a big gamer. Oh my God, I was a big gamer. There were weeks when I wouldn't leave my room. It's so embarrassing. I made all these friends who basically saved me from myself because I had a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. And playing online these games with all these people uh, across the world and meeting them is incredible. You meet all these people that you never thought you'd ever meet in your entire life and here you are meeting them. So I had this one friend, his name was Victor. He lived all the way in Belmar, New Jersey, which is, if you don't know where that is, it's right next to Philadelphia, the city. And so just one day after I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to go see them. I'm going to go halfway across the North America, the North America, uh, halfway across North America and crazily just visit this person I've never met in person and that I don't even know who they are if they're a real person. And so I just hopped in my mom's car and I drove in the middle of the night to Belmar, New Jersey and visited this friend. And I think that was the moment that I was like, oh my God, I am powerful. I am a living, breathing, just seeing like all the cities that I pass, like Sacramento, uh, Buffalo, Niagara Falls. It's like, you see all these, you're like, oh, I'm like the center of my universe. And then as like a kid, you're like, I'm invincible. I'm the center of my universe. And then you see all these towns, all these cars, all these people, all these communities. And then you see the United States, a completely different country. You see the poverty, you see the rich, you see the, the buses, you see just so many people. And you're like, holy cow, I'm one living being in this incredible ecosystem and universe. And then that's when you, I think I just realized and fully became an adult because I was like, holy cow, like there's so much to do and there's so much to see. Are you guys still friends? It's hard. I don't really play video games anymore. And we had that medium in common, right? But now that we are separated for because of that, I guess sometimes we message each other on Snapchat here and there. But, you know, I think in time, people grow apart. It's it's natural. It's, it's normal. That happens with a lot of my childhood friends. I'm not really friends with a lot of them either now. I remember my one childhood friend had a pool that I always wanted to use in his backyard. And he also had a scooter that was electric. It's hard to say if there's like an exact moment in my life when I was like, that's it. I've become an adult. I'm a man now. University, I was like 18 or 19, I guess. First year at Brock, I was going to be like an author or an editor. I was going into creative writing because that's like my passion and my background. And I had decided this ever since I was in like fourth grade. Anytime anyone asked me what I'd want to do, I was like, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to be a teacher or something like that. And then through high school, I was like, I'm going to be an author. I took all the writing classes, all the English classes, all the lit classes. And I get to university and I'm there, I'm in my first year and I'm sitting in my English lecture and I'm reading through all these books and all these ancient texts, et cetera. And I'm, I'm loving my time and I'm writing the essays and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm diving into them and stuff. But as time goes on, I just find myself less and less excited by all the, the like kind of menialness that is the, the more academic side of reading and writing. And, and I found that the academics had suddenly, like when I sat down to write something for myself, just completely killed that creative side of my brain that I wanted. I was wandering around campus and I hear a bunch of people laughing in a room and I'm like, what the heck is this? And I poke my head in and it's the, the Brock improv group or whatever. And I sit in and I'm like, can I join in? That is the space where I discovered that the creativity amongst the academics and the acting and everything can kind of come into one place. And I was like, oh no, it's like writing, but you're standing and talking to people in real time. And it was everything that I loved all wrapped up into one. And then from then on in, I went, uh, I went through theater stuff. So I guess that moment of walking past that classroom, hearing people laughing, poking in and being like, oh, I'm not dead inside anymore. Changed the course of my life <laughs> forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Rebecca, I think has a similar 
kind of story with joining improv too, after being mostly just in the academic side. And then she discovered that, oh, I really like this. That was such a beautiful story. Oh my goodness. Wow. I feel touched by an angel with love. <laughs> Wait, That's no. another flashback. That's a show. Is oh. that, that's a show. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my God. Raised by Christian parents. So good. My favorite part, I remember specifically telling my mom my favorite part of the show every time was whenever Monica would like reveal that she's an angel. Yes. Then the person would like, their life would change. It was like Queer Eye, but starring an angel. And it's so good. Yes, it was so good. Got like this, this warm yes. glow about her. There was uplighting, downlighting. Her mm. hair looked like it would like flow essence. in the wind. Yeah. Commercial. <laughs> and then another episode that I love was when Valerie was reborn, like a new angel was born and she came in like a flutter of feathers and rose petals. Yes. And she was like, hi. And everyone was like, who's this? And then Tess was like, it's a new angel. And everyone was like, what? Another episode that really scared me was the one where they introduced Satan because he was absolutely terrifying. And he was no, played I, by 100%. Mandy Patinkin. What? Yeah. No way. Hold on. I'm double checking this. There's no way. Justin Timberlake was in this show. Yeah, he was in NSYNC and Charlotte Church. Oh my um, god. Oh gosh. And they were like, I don't know about you, but you look like anyone else watched us play Angel here. It's a no. pretty specific <laughs> small town Christian upbringing. Veggie Tales? The show was people would have trouble in their lives to be like people who are down on their luck or whatever it might be. And then literal angels would come down and they would help them figure out their life. It was like Quantum Leap, but with like a Christian turn on it. If anyone knows Quantum Leap, oh, I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> also Seventh Heaven. Oh, that one was like family of seven, seven. Hmm. children uh, raised by a Christian pastor and his wife and like all of the ins and outs of trying to be Christian, but also trying to be like hip now and wow just said hip now and wow like a classic mom jessica beale was in that show what oh this is wild this is really strange remember joan of arcadia oh yeah god was hot joan of yes american yeah wow it's got a 96 on rotten tomatoes oh my god this is a beloved show it was very short if i remember it didn't have it many like seasons. seasons. Three yeah. seasons. Oh, two. Oh. It had Mary oh. Steinberg. Oh my gosh! It had Joe Pantagnama. Yeah. How do I pronounce that last name? Joe Mantegna. Yeah, he was from Criminal Minds. Well, clearly he, yeah. was, he was from this before that. But anyway, who was God? God. Hello. Who are you? <laughs> God cute guy god little girl god park ranger god (laughs) god was played by a lot of my favorite goth kid god (laughs) (laughs) zachary quinto was real assignment i love these names rich woman god homeless man god pizza delivery god (laughs) three card monty god was will i am god this is my final form housewife god But who trash was, man like, god who was the beautiful god there was know, trash he, like, man god. <laughs> he showed up and he oh, was no. hot it's not even a picture of him come on wikipedia do better this guy does not look 42 years old does he look older or younger? no he looks like he's probably mid-20s though i'm assuming given that his last known film was final destination 3 he might not have been doing much else and then there's been series that have been remade. So I'm thinking of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, I haven't either. Oh, okay. The new one is darker and more dark. Yeah, mm. that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Is it the but same it's way different. Uh, Riverdale? I think so. Are they like I in the same yeah. universe yeah, or something? Yeah, the same niche. Yes. Okay. Yeah. People talk about Riverdale. Daniela has love-hate relationship with it in that she hates herself for loving it. But not a lot of people talk about Sabrina in the same way. In my surprise. I can't get behind either of those two shows. And I shouldn't say that because, you know, as an actor, you hope to get cast in this. (laughs) It's just, I really tried. 
maybe I need to try it again. I just couldn't. I mean, I did watch Vampire Diaries with you, Jack. Ooh, it's true. I that was. It's not- hard to say that I watched it so much as like I was like the two Muppets that stand up in the box and like, oh, we hurl insults at the show. Oh, do a real joke. Ah, uh, yeah. um, which was probably painful that's to watch so funny. Way. I definitely um, was like crying watching it, trying to eat ice cream out of a carton, and Jack was just like, "What? What are we watching?" And I was like, "What is this?" So emotionally invested. I was like, "Damien!" But like constantly spoiling the show for me. Like I would try to enjoy it, and she'd be like, "Don't like him. He actually kills her later." What would you? Tell me that. <laughs> oh. oh, I I don't know. I just I'm very loyal, and I need the people that I'm loyal to to be on the same level of loyalty as I am when it comes to a TV show. <laughs> I learned a lot about Vampire Diaries that day, almost definitely. We watched too many episodes. Really, we watched like three. <laughs> like I said, too many. It was a niche for its time. It was arguably better than Twilight, though. Yeah. Another controversial topic that I'll throw in here. It is a bold claim. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like A lot of my friends you, love it. Do you like Edward or what what was the other? Where's the wolf Jake? boy? Jake. And I was like, but Kristen though. Bella? Anyone? No? Okay. That's fine. Yeah, sorry, pal. <laughs> she, she you know, I can't find anything redeeming in this moment. She but had nice hair. Her face was real pretty, which is and so bad. So bad and so objectifying. But anyway, wow, this took a turn from Touched by an Angel to Vampires. What were we talking about before this? Improv. <laughs> yeah, what's your story on improv, Rebecca? Oh, we'll right. I don't really know how. It was literally a whim. I stumbled into a person whom loved improv and then i kind of joined the drama club at university and i did not like improv at the time it stressed me out intensely because i felt like you always had to be on and you always had to be searching for that laugh the funny moment and now i would say a crisp five-ish years post that i understand that you don't have to be looking for the laugh if you're just doing the thing the laughs usually come So I have a completely different viewpoint of improv now, but that's one of the areas that I started acting in and then kind of it snowballed from there. Was that the moment where I found my worth and discovered my growth from youth to adult? No, I don't think so. But it was a good moment. It definitely put me on the path that I am on now. I'm honestly struggling with your question, Ryan. Like, if there was a moment where I, that that defined me, I don't know. Ryan was there in university with me. So, oh, shoot. Ryan, actually, this might have been it. Do you remember when we all had that psych? It wasn't even a final exam. It was like a weekly quiz. And it was probably our first one in first year psychology. And we all were going to study together in the library. And then one of our friends that we don't talk to anymore was like, why don't we all one after the other take the test? And the last person will like have all the answers. And I'm like, what? One doesn't make good sense. And two, is that not like cheating? And so I remember leaving the study room. Ryan, were you there? I know it was Andy and Monica. I remember this being a thing. And I also don't remember who suggested that we tried doing this plot. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it violated every form of ethics that I stood for as a human at the time. And I was like... <laughs> Didn't you leave? I did. I have... So yeah. what we've learned today is if Rebecca really doesn't support the thing, she leaves. I did genuinely pack up my things and start walking away. And I was like, all y'all are going to have to find your own way home because I was everyone's ride, but I was going. And then Monica trailed after me. She was like, wait, wait for me. And so that's how Monica and I became best friends is literally she followed me. She's like, I support you. Shout out. Hey, Moni. What's up, girl? So maybe that was a defining moment where I stood for my principles and 
then was told later on that year that I was intimidating and then fell into a self-deprecating hole, which I have now risen above. Was that heartwarming for anyone? Yay. (laughs) Yeah. Aw. I feel like it wasn't as crowd-pleasing as Jackson's story. (laughs) Or as touching as Julian's. But, you know, that's okay. I came here for a good time. And... <laughs> Does anyone remember that phase where people would be like, I came here for a good time and honestly, I feel so attacked right now. Because that was... The YOLO and everything like that. Oh, or the game. Did anyone have the game? Yeah. Stop. I, I <laughs> quote, played it for a really long time and then I, I was plagued by it for years. I would just like beat myself up about it. And I was scrolling through Tumblr as one does when they're like 17. And I mm-hmm. come across a random post that says, congratulations, you've won the game. You never have to play it again. And something in my heart just lifted. And I know there are people out there who are like, you can't lose the game, but I don't care. I felt like I had accomplished something and I've never been compelled to partake again. So if you're listening to this, congratulations. You've won the game. Yeah. Again. You did it. Finally. Years. Years of suffering have ended. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Woo! Jack and Julian, thank you so much for spending some time talking to Rebecca and I today. It was an absolute blast. It was so it fun. Was so good. Well, thank oh you my for goodness. having us. We appreciate yeah, thank you. you. We love Jack and Jill running up the hill to fetch a pail of water. And then falling <laughs> breaking crowns and all that. Deep, insightful. I'm sad we didn't get to talk about VCRs or CDs, but you know, we'll put that on the back burner. We'll come back. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will be one of our most prevalently loved guests one i'm gonna combine you two we, as we are unit. one person <laughs> honestly i mean yes jack and jewel <laughs> so thank you to our lovely listeners for listening and also thank you to the people that have been letting us know that this podcast has been helping you and has touched you in some way we love hearing feedback both positive and constructive slash negative so holla at us our instagram and our facebook handles is at oda podcast so send us a message send us some love and also send these guys some love give them a follow yes on their platforms support their creative dreams they are both amazing creative people within the industry they're so cool i could go on and on and on and on about them so yes thank you so much for coming gentlemen thank you so much listeners and if you have any suggestions on anything you would like to hear from us just let us know we are here Mm -hmm. for you it's that easy it It really is Stay dramatic. Stay dramatic. Drink some water. Be safe. Bye. Bye.